So Tennessee didn't play this past weekend, and and that sucks, but a chance for us to do some other things, watch a whole lot of other football. We're going to go around the SEC, tell you things I hit on, things I missed on from preseason to where we are now, six weeks into the year, plus the month of October, question of the day, coming up later on the show, a loaded Monday right here on Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Vols. It is your team every single day. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for being here. As always, shout out every day for supporting the show on YouTube by subscribing and subscribing wherever you listen uh, to your podcast. We are available there. Uh, no Tennessee football game over the weekend. A little bit different. A chance, I don't know about you guys, a chance for me to go down and see some family and spend some time with some loved ones and um, see some friends later in the day. But, you know, tracking football games, watching football games on my phone while in the car and then, you know, sitting in front of a couple of different TV screens in the afternoon and in the evening and, and watching a whole lot of college football uh, you know, for me, you know, covering the team, my life is so enthralled in Tennessee football that I don't get to watch as much. Um, and, and any beat reporter worth their salt will tell you that. I mean, you, you can watch as much as you can and, and obviously go back and you know watch all the highlights and listen and look and you do your research, obviously. But you don't get to watch as much as you'd like to. You get to watch some, but don't get to watch as much as you like to. So that's that's what I really enjoyed about Saturday this past weekend. But uh, anyway, hope you guys enjoyed your weekend. Uh, we're going to take a look around the SEC. Th- some things that I hit on preseason that still hold true today. Some big swings and misses. And trust me, there are a couple. A- and look at kind of where some of these teams around the SEC are through six weeks of the season. That's coming up here in a matter of seconds. Um, pro football focus. Season grade so far. Um, you know, stuff that matters. Uh, we're going to take a look at it from a Tennessee perspective in segment two. And then uh, where do the volunteers rank in the, the uh, this week's updated AP poll and college football poll rankings? And uh, what's this mean for the month of October? Uh, question of the day. Be thinking about it. Um, what's Tennessee's record for the month of October? That mailbag questions. Get those in for tomorrow's episode. And let's go ahead and get started right here on Locked On Balls. Uh, big swing and a miss. I mean, goodness gracious, LSU. I mean, what are we doing here if we're LSU right now? LSU comes into the season. I picked LSU to win the West. I'm not alone. Obviously, I'm not alone. A lot of people were high on LSU, and I looked at what she had returning. Perkins on defense. Goodness gracious. I like the pieces on the offensive line. I like the quarterback. I like neighbors at wide receiver. Um, I liked a lot about LSU. Okay, But a trademark for LSU has been defense for, you know, that's 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 a program trademark, and there's just no defense for this LSU Tigers you know, squad this year. You lost to Florida State 45-24. I mean, that was in the opening weekend. Okay, you bounced back. A huge win over Grambling. A big win over Mississippi State on the road. Uh, you squeaked out a win against Arkansas. Okay, so it looks like you had to ride the ship a little bit. You lose by giving up 55 points to Ole Miss last week, and then you win, but you give up 39 points to Missouri. And maybe I'm a little bit wrong on Missouri because some people were asking me about the Tigers preseason, and I'm just like, Josh Hopple scored a combined 735 points. It's not accurate, uh, but it felt like it against Missouri in, in two years leading up to this one and so far as being a head coach in the SEC. I'm not too worried about it. Recognizing that Missouri's got a pretty decent defense, and it looks like Missouri's got a pretty decent offense. We'll find out. Missouri's about to find out. You know, We're about to find out exactly what Missouri is. We'll get to that in a moment. But, man, I was wrong on LSU. I was wrong on LSU. LSU, again, 49-39, does get the win over Missouri on the road, but you give up 39 points to Missouri. You give up 55 points to Ole Miss two weeks ago. Give up 31 to Arkansas. Give up 
45 to Florida State in the season opener. I mean, gosh, LSU down this year. And then again, kind of what we were talking about with uh, Missouri. You know, Missouri ain't played nobody. You played somebody in LSU with a pulse, and, you, you know, you lost, but you gave it a good run. Uh, start of the season off one, two, three, four, five, five and zero. Oh, now five and one on the season, one and one in SEC play. Did get that dub over Vanderbilt two weeks ago, but you gave LSU a run for its money, right? And you lose that game, but we're going to find out what Missouri's all made it is all about. I mean, is Missouri actually a team that's gotten better, or is Missouri going to be exactly who we thought they were? You know, going off next week, and you're on the road to Kentucky at home against South Carolina, off week at Georgia, against Tennessee, Florida, at Arkansas. I mean, you're about to find out who Missouri is. So uh, LSU, worse than what we thought. Missouri, so far, uh, better than what we thought. Look at Arkansas. Arkansas, another tough loss last night, uh, or a couple nights ago, Saturday night, to uh, Ole Miss, 27-20. to And Arkansas has now lost four straight. You lost by seven to BYU. You lost by three to LSU on the road. You lost by 12 to AM, and then you lose by seven on the road in Oxford. Uh, four losses consecutive for Arkansas. And then what's Arkansas's record going to be by season then? I mean, goodness gracious. Two and four right now, winless in SEC. Next week, you're at Alabama. Good luck. Uh, you come back and play Mississippi State. You need to win that one. You're at Florida. You should, you should win that game, in my opinion, but Florida will likely be favored because it's, um, it's at Ben Hill Griffith Stadium. You play at home against Auburn. That's a gettable game. You have FIU. You should win that one. Then you got Missouri. So it's been challenged overall, but you're 0-3 in SEC play and 2-4 and overall. What's that record going to be like for Arkansas? Uh, goodness gracious, it's not uh, it's not too pretty. Um, where's Texas A&M now? So A&M, again, will continue to get into that scout as the week goes on. Tennessee A&M coming up on Saturday, 3.30. Checkered Neyland CBS game is going to have all the fireworks. It's going to be fun. Um, you know, Tennessee coming off a bye week, AM losing a tough one to Alabama over the weekend. Where's AM at now? Four and two, two and one in SEC play. You lose a hard fought game to um Alabama, 26 to 20. You had things not going your way. You had a you had an interesting coaching decision to punt it on fourth and one late in that football game. I didn't quite agree with that. Um, you know, if ands, you know, whatever. But you know how people always say, don't let Alabama beat you twice. You know, in East Tennessee, it's like, don't let Maribel beat you twice. Don't let Alcoa beat you twice in the high school ranks. Is Alabama going to beat A&M twice? If you're a Tennessee fan, you hope so. You hope so. Again, we'll dig into this matchup much more as the week goes on. But where is A&M's you know, headspace at right now? Tough loss at home to Alabama, 26-20. Uh, to 20. Now you're going to come to a hostile environment, needing a win in the worst way at Neyland Stadium against a a team that kind of got its mojo back a little bit before the bye week and a big win over South Carolina. We know that uh, as well, obviously. Um, Alabama. Is Alabama back to being Alabama? Now, I always thought, I, and so I'm going to say this, Alabama's less talented this year than it's been the last couple of years. Doesn't mean it's not a good football team. It doesn't mean you're not so loaded at, at some good positions. Doesn't mean you haven't recruited well the past four or five cycles, okay? Alabama's still good. But Alabama is less talented compared to what it was last year, the year before that, the year before that. It just is what it is. But in terms of the quarterback, it was like, can you figure the quarterback out? Is it going to be Tyler Buckner, transfer from Notre Dame, coming over with OC Tommy Reese? Is it going to be Ty Simpson? Or is it going to be Jalen Milrow, who got the start against AM a season ago and was the backup quarterback? The question, all, or the, at least my theory always was, if it's going to be Milrow, that's who it should be. You better watch out because Milrow already does one thing dominantly on the uh, in the college game, and that is run the football. He is an athlete. He is a big boy. He is fast. He is physical. He runs the football well. 
If you can figure it out through the air, watch out. Jalen Milrow's got the highest ceiling and uh, easily can be a better quarterback than any of the other two quarterbacks on that roster. I'm not saying that he's Peyton Manning out there. He's looking a little bit better in, in weeks, you know, in, in weeks previously. So, you know, of course, Alabama's coming up in two weeks. <laughs> That's going to be just a massive football game for so many different reasons. But is Alabama back to being as dangerous as we thought that they were in years past? You know, we'll see. A big win, obviously, on the road against AM yesterday. So uh, that's a look at a little bit of a couple of SEC West teams. Let's move on and take a look at uh, Kentucky. Goodness gracious. Kentucky, much like Missouri, it's like, all right, so what have you done? What have you done so far this year? Kill Ball State, all right. Went against Eastern Kentucky, gotcha. Drilled Akron, okay. One by two touchdowns on the road against Vanderbilt, who hasn't. Um, you, you beat the crap out of Florida at home. Good for you. You've been, you know, you've been making a... Uh, making a habit of doing that a years past between you know Kentucky and Florida. Then you go on the road at Georgia, and you try to do what Georgia does at Georgia, and you don't do it very well. Run game's not there. Lev- Devin Leary's ab- absolutely not a difference maker, missing wide-open guys in the first half. Is Kentucky, you know, what did we learn from that game? Was it Georgia's bouncing back and Georgia's finally back on, you know, to where it needs to be? Still undefeated, but looking very pedestrian. Getting off the slow starts? Well, that wasn't the case against Kentucky on Saturday night. Did we learn more about Kentucky, or did we learn more about Georgia in that football game? Um, probably more about Kentucky, in my opinion. When you play somebody with a pulse and somebody that's pretty good, you're not as dangerous as you looked um, you know, in, in the season standing. So Kentucky got its first loss of the season. It'll bounce back. Big game against Missouri at home, and then, of course, it will host uh, Tennessee in a couple of weeks. Uh, so that's Kentucky. <laughs> All right, so looking at some games around the uh, the the the, co- the college football landscape, USC barely wins. What what an epic uh, field goal attempt that was j- just an utter fail there at the end. Um, Mario Cristobal, <laughs> what more can you say that's not already been said on talk shows, on television stations, and on social media? I mean, what wh- what are you doing? This has also happened before. <laughs> this has also happened before for Mario Cristobal in a game against Stanford back in 2018. Neil. Just kneel, dude. Kneel. You have a 99.9999999% chance of victory. Just kneel the flipping football. You you arrogant prick. <laughs> you want more and more stats. What are you doing? Oh, my gosh, Miami fans. I actually feel for you Miami fans today. Goodness gracious. Um, Texas, Oklahoma. Wow. What a win for Venables. What a win for Oklahoma. Texas, who I thought was arguably one of the better teams in the country. You know, Ohio State's looked pedestrian. Georgia's looked pedestrian. Michigan's been up there. Uh, we know about Alabama, you know, FSU and some other teams. But, you know, Texas was right up there. Boy, Texas Texas got to hand it to them a little bit. I mean, I know it was a close game at the end. But uh, how about that win for Oklahoma? A game of two, a rivalry game coming to the SEC, and I can't wait. Last game we're going to highlight, or last situation that I want to make mention of, Shadir Sanders. Buddy, Arizona State is one and five. One and five. One and five. And you're going to go over there to that student section and let them have it after the game? Embarrassing. But okay, it's what it is. College football, don't ever change. I love college football, and I know you do as well. Hey, when we come back, we'll go back into Tennessee specifics, take a look at the pro football focus, snap counts, grades through five games on the season, who has performed well. 
and who needs to pick it up. That and a whole lot more coming up next right here on your Monday Locked on Vols. want to tell you about our friends over at Athletic Brewing Company. Game changer of the week. It's brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like... We'll go with Aaron Beasley. Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Aaron Beasley, captain of the defense, knows exactly what to do, plus the playmaker of the defense. He's quick with his reads. He's athletic out of the box, and he makes plays for the Tennessee defense. And Athletic Brewing Company, they're making plays in the beer game, the non-alcoholic beer game. Uh, they got brews, great tasting, award-winning. They beat out four-string bars or beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and a whole lot more. They're fit for all time, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere, and make any activity even more enjoyable, like watching the big game, at your kid's game potentially, uh, tackling work, working out, or Whatever the case may be, no hangovers ever with Athletic Brewing Company. Uh, first-time customers can use Locked On to get 50% off your first online order. Uh, that's Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Hey guys, welcome back into your Tuesday edition of Locked On Balls. Appreciate you being here as always. Don't forget your mailbag edition of the show. That is coming up tomorrow at underscore Kaner. At Locked On Vols, any questions you guys have about Tennessee, Texas A&M, uh, any other you know football team in, in the conference, Tennessee baseball, uh, basketball, whatever the whatever the questions you know may be, let me get them in there. We'll answer them on tomorrow's show. That's at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Vols. All right, we do it every single week. Pro football focus, the grades, looking back at the week before, but you know here on a Monday morning, I do want to, I do want to. Um, kind of recap the first five games of the season because, you know, obviously it was a bye week last week. You know, who has collectively looked good in the eyes of Pro Football Focus? Uh, again, Pro Football Focus, it's something. It's certainly not everything. Uh, the grading scale is like this. 90 to 99 is considered elite. 80 to 89 is very good. Uh, 70 to 79 is above average starter. An average starter is 60 to 69. A below average starter is 50 to 59 and below 50 is considered a backup-level player. So, uh, snap counts, who's looked good so far collectively? Let's take a look at him. The highest-graded Tennessee player on offense through five games, and he's played every single, or he's played the most snaps for the Tennessee offensive players, along with Joe Milton, is offensive lineman Javonta Spragans. Okay? Um, and I take that back. This is not um, uh, sorted in terms of grade. This is sorted in terms of snap counts. So, let me retract that last sentence. Uh, the person who's played the most snaps on the offensive line and tied for the team lead on offense with quarterback Joe Milton is Javantez Spragans. He's got an overall grade of 67.8, which is really solid. That is considered the higher echelon of an average starter. Joe Milton, um, 69.7 is his grade. That is considered uh, just a notch below uh, being um, above average starter, so that's good to see. And remember, Tennessee's played two SEC games, Florida and South Carolina. Tennessee's played a couple other games that you're supposed to, to to win big in. So very early in the season, you're about to find out, just like I said about Missouri, like we're about to find out. Missouri's about to mess around. We're about to find out about Missouri. I'm talking really fast today. I don't know if you noticed that. I'm talking really, really fast, rolling off the tongue. Uh, but we're about to find out about Tennessee as well about in terms of these grades because uh, A&M, at Alabama, at Kentucky, and then so on and so forth. Um, Ramel Keaton's got a pretty high grade, 59.9% of off, off 319 snaps. So that grade's actually pretty low at 59.9, uh, just under 
average starter, but I mean, you're talking about a you know one one hundredth of a point there. John Campbell's got sixty one point three percent grade, two hundred and ninety eight snaps. Ollie Lane, two hundred and seventy nine snaps, sixty point five. Andre Carrick, two hundred forty two snaps, fifty nine point zero. Um, I would venture to say that's probably the worst of the starting offensive linemen, 59.0 overall. Uh, score wide's got a big grade, high grade, 70.7, and that is off 240 snaps. Good to see. Uh, let's go down here to um, pass block. Let's, let's look at the offensive line, shall we? Uh, pass blocking grades uh, through five games. Uh, McCallan Castles, now remember he's going out on route sometimes, but when he's not, 81.5, that's good to see. Gerald Mincy, 78.9. Javante Spragan, 78.1. Ollie Lane, 72.7. John Campbell Jr., 68.6. Andre Carrick, 64.3. Those are all considered pretty pretty decent. Now, let's get back into where you're really struggling, in my opinion. Jacob Warren, 59.9. That's That's got to get better. Dane Davis, not as many snaps, remember, but his pass blocking great on the season. Dane Davis, reserve offensive lineman, 43.2. And then Jeremiah Crawford is not good. There's a reason why Jeremiah Crawford can't hold on to a starting job. It's because he is not a very good pass blocker. Gerald Mincy overall is much better pass blocking. Let me let me, or let me reflect back here, okay? Gerald Mincy, 78.9% in terms of pass blocking grade. J.J. Crawford's on the season through five games, 28.4. So that's the reason why they can't just hand it over to J.J. Crawford overall. Now, let's look at the run-blocking grades, and we can see kind of why J.J. Crawford is, is up there and play, plays an awful lot. It's, it's not horrible. His grade is 55.5, but Gerald Mincy's grade is actually better at 66.8. So, again, they want Gerald Mincy to play. Overall, and the, and the grades back it up here on Pro Football Focus, he's been the better pass blocker, and he's been the better run blocker so far this season. Anyway, run-blocking grades. Dante Thornton, 73.1. His snaps are not nearly those of starting wide receivers, but that's good to see because of all the blocking on the perimeter for screens, blocking downfield for your running backs. Javante Spragan, 69.0. Cooper Mays in one game, 68.7. Gerald Mincy, as mentioned, 66.8. Jacob Warren, 64.1. McAllen Castle, 62.4. You'd like for those both, those tight ends, to be up a little bit more, but still, those are good grades, and, and the tight ends are huge. Uh, in regards to run blocking, so uh, th- that's big. Ollie Lane, 62.4. Dane Davis, 59.7. Andre Keurig, 57.9. J.J. Crawford, 55.5. And John Campbell, 55.5. That's a little worrisome. Keurig, Crawford, Campbell, Lane. Uh, those need to be up a little bit. Those need to be up, and it's kind of surprising considering Tennessee's such a, a good running team so far, but... Nonetheless, uh, when you kind of break those down in there, the nitty-gritty, that, that's what it looks like. Um, we'll look at defense a little bit. I didn't have time to go through and track exactly um, because there's not just an easy way to see it for the season. I can do it specifically um, for like defensive backs, you know, targeted this many times, giving up this many receptions. I can do that later, later on, but I would have to kind of track that. But I do have pass coverage grades, if you will, for the secondary. More on that here in a moment. Um, overall grades, you look at defense real quick. <laughs> no surprise, your two starting safeties, Wesley Walker and Jalen McCullough, lead the defense in uh, total snaps played. 317 total snaps for Walker, 304 total snaps for Jalen McCullough. The next highest <laughs> is to Marion McDonald at 262 snaps. Goodness gracious. Aaron Beasley at 251 snaps. Gabe Judy Lolly, 226 snaps. Kamal Haddon at 220 snaps. 
Elijah Herring getting up there now at 219 snaps. Elijah Herring's great overall is at 64.1, which is pretty solid. Pretty solid. That's considered an average starter, so good for him. He needs to continue to work to bring that up. Kamal Haddon's grade, 80.2. Guys, that's considered very, very good. It's not elite, but it's very good. And and we've seen some of the praise that Pro Football Focus has showered upon Kamal Haddon over the off week uh, and the bye week. Just, again, I'll, I'll say what I said last week. If Kamal Haddon... Um, his mess-ups are just so amplified because they're just so bad. Like, South Carolina game 2022, not wrapping up with Trevor Etienne um, in the Florida game. You know, if you look past that, I know I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying if you somehow can move past those two situations I just mentioned, he's played pretty good football, but um, just needs to continue to go. Uh, he's playing good football for Tennessee, especially in coverage. Get that head around, make some plays. Uh, Tyler Barron, 87.6. Boy, that's almost at an elite category. For Tyler Barron at 184 snaps, so good for him. Really good for him. Uh, speaking of elite, James Pierce, 89.1%. That is 0.9% away from being considered elite on the season. And you knew those two grades from Tyler Barron and James Pierce were going to be good because, boy, they have played really, really well. Uh, some other high grades that stand out. Um, Keenan Peely in one game was 80.8, but, of course, that's just one game. Let's see here. Mm. Kamal Haddon's 80.2 is third highest. Wesley Walker, 82.7 is a really, really good grade, especially considering the snaps that he's played leading the team. So those are a couple of the higher grades. Um, these are the guys that are good against the run, the best against the run. Omar Norman Lott, 83.7%. Gabe Judy Lolly, 78.1%. Tyler Barron, 76.3%. Amari Thomas, 74.9%. James Pierce, 73.6%. Uh, pass rush grades. James Pierce, 90.7%. Tyler Barron, 84.7%. No doubt about it, those two guys are killing it. Joshua Joseph, 81.5%. Aaron Beasley, 76.5%. Roman Harrison, 65.8%. He's on down the list a little bit. Tackling grades. Tennessee's missed four, um, missed 10-plus tackles in four straight games. Missed seven tackles in the season opener. That stat's got to get better. Uh, who's the best tackler on the team? Well, that, that gets every, that gets actual snaps. Uh, Tyler Barron, eighty point seven percent is his grade. Uh, let's go to some guys in the secondary. Uh, Danico Slaughter, seventy seven percent is his grade. James Pierce, seventy two point eight percent is his grade. Aaron Carter, seventy two point eight percent. Jalen McCullough, sixty eight point eight percent. Kamal Haddon's tackling grade is 55.5%, which is not good. Gabe Judy Lolly, 56.1%. Aaron Beasley, 61.4%. Elijah Heron, 61.8%. Wesley Walker, 63%. All those guys are every down players, uh, pretty much. They, they've all got to, to get better tackling. I think that shows a lot. And then coverage grades. Uh, again, if you're watching on YouTube, you know the grading scale. Um, but I've been naming off all these numbers here. Very good is 80 to 89. Elite is 90 to 99. Above average starter, 70 to 79. Average starter, 60 to 69. Below average starter, 50 to 59. And less than 50 is considered a backup level player. Quickly at the coverage grades, uh, Wesley Walker, 88.6%. Solid. Kamal Haddon, 80, Kamal Haddon at corner, 86%, 86.0%. It's really good, guys. He's, he's, he's doing really good in that regard. Just continue to get that head around. He's got two interceptions already, pick six, get some PBUs. Tamari McDonald, 78.1. Jalen McCullough, 76.5. Um, Brandon Turnage, 70.4. Gabe Judy Lolly, 67.4. Warren Burrell, 67.2. 
and Aaron Beasley, 64.7. So, again, there's something, not everything, but through five games, it's a look at the cumulative efforts of uh, pro football focus snap counts and some grades for the University of Tennessee. Uh, we'll continue to use those for the stats that matter following each game and tell you you know, which defensive back got picked on the most, who had the best run blocking grade, all that type of stuff. All that and more coming up next week. Some more Locked On Balls with Pro Football Focus. want to tell you about our friends before we get into uh, poll updates and question of the day. But our friends, that is over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, patience. What brings home winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle. Uh, leveled up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for with eBay Motors. That eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money is back. Uh, because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. With all the parts you need and the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into MVP and bring home that W. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. All right, guys and gals, the final segment left here of this Monday edition of Lockdown Balls. Appreciate you for being here. Don't forget again, reminder, uh, mailbag edition of the show. That is tomorrow. Any questions you guys want to ask me or um, have any uh, interest in, just send those in at underscore Kane or at Lockdown Balls. Doesn't have to be a question either. It can be a comment, whatever you guys have. I get those in as early in the day as possible. Um, I try to try to record these uh, as earlier in the day as I can. Uh, to uh, to get the schedule for the next day. So mailbag edition of the show is coming up tomorrow. Uh, quickly, did want to mention as we kind of wrap up our show here, Tennessee, though did not play a football game on Saturday, did move up a spot in the coaches poll. It went up from number 18 to uh, number 17, and it went up three spots after winning against South Carolina, winning a Southeastern Conference football game last week. Um, it dropped a spot, but... It was idle this past weekend. It moved up three spots from number 22 to number 19, and that is the Tennessee Volunteers. Oh, didn't even didn't even mention Notre Dame losing to Louisville. Uh, you know, there were there were questions about Louisville having the easiest schedule ever for an undefeated team through five weeks of the season, and, and that's you know you could make the argument there for sure. And I'm not saying Notre Dame's the 85 Bears. I love saying the 85 Bears because that's just my go-to. You guys have known that if you've listened to me enough, um, because Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference. I recognize all that, but still, pretty good win there from Louisville. Really good win there from Louisville over the weekend. But anyway, Tennessee jumps up three spots from number 22 to number 19. Uh, Tennessee's matchup uh, with Texas A&M um, on Saturday is going to be the Volunteers at number 19 um, on the season, and they will be playing host to uh, Texas A&M, who, again, is 4-2 and two on the year, Two and one in Southeastern Conference play, coming off a loss to um, Alabama at home. But my question of the day for the University of Tennessee, my question of the day uh, for you guys, and I just had it up here. And so in real time, I'm going to type and pull it back up here. Okay, I got what I need to get. Uh, my question for you guys is this We're in the month of October now. Okay, Tennessee's win over South Carolina, that was September the 30th. Tennessee had an off week. Now you're getting into the to the real heart of the schedule here. At home against AM, on the road at Alabama, on the road at Kentucky. That's that's your October. Three games. Does Tennessee win two of the three? If Tennessee wants to get where it needs to get, I mean that's that's winning the SEC, right? That's getting to Atlanta. 
um, representing the SEC East, still on the table, very much still on table. It's going to be a challenge, though, okay? It's going to be a challenge. But if you want to get to where you want to get winning 9 to 10 regular season games, you have got to win this month. You've got to win this month. And, and in my opinion, you need to win this game against a and because I'm not saying Tennessee can't go on the road and win, but as I've mentioned last week, and as I've mentioned, you know, since you know, coming off that Florida game, until proven otherwise, I'm not going to believe that Tennessee is going to function well enough to, you know, be a pro- prolific offense on, on the road, proficient offense on the prolific. I don't think it's a word. Proficient offense um, on the road because it just hasn't the past couple of big games on the road. Um, South Carolina last year, Georgia last year, Florida this year. I don't count Vanderbilt. Just don't. That's a home game for Tennessee. I don't count uh, against um, Clemson in the Orange Bowl. That's a neutral side game. That's a bowl game for Tennessee. Um, and, and honestly, I understand a lot of you, a lot of you guys are going to say, "What about LSU? What about LSU?" I hear you. Um, what a what a win! What a statement win! Kind of early ish in the season last year. But think about that. It was an 11 a.m. local time kick that helped Tennessee on Tennessee's opening kickoff. LSU muffed the muffed the kickoff. So Tennessee got the ball right back, scored two plays later. I mean, there was not a chance for that crowd to get up and get energized. Uh, Tennessee took it out of them. So Tennessee will need, you know, obviously would love for that to happen again on the road for one of these games at Alabama or at Kentucky. But for Tennessee to reach its goals, for Tennessee to be who it needs to be, whether that be representing the East and Atlanta in the final year of a divisional play, or if that's just for Tennessee to win nine or ten regular season games, Tennessee needs to win this month. Tennessee needs to win two of the three. And what that starts with winning at home against AM. If Tennessee loses at home against AM, I'm not it's not impossible, but I have a hard time believing Tennessee's still gonna get two wins on this month, both on the road, one at Tuscaloosa and the other against Kentucky at Kroger Field. And I'm not gonna act like Kroger Field's one of the best environments or whatever, but it's going to be loud there for Tennessee. It always is. Twenty nineteen it was loud. 2021, it was loud. Both of those night games. This will likely be another night game. Uh Tennessee and uh, Tennessee and Kentucky will likely be on the SEC Network that seven o'clock Eastern Time kick. That's just likely what it's going to be because it's been it's what it's been the last couple of times they've they've been in that environment. So, you know, we'll see. Um, this is a critical month for Tennessee because since you'll start November by winning the homecoming game, game against UConn, it's got a big time matchup Missouri looming now because Missouri will find out they're about to mess around and find out exactly who they are and you know with some of these big time matchups coming up. Just played LSU, of course. We mentioned that. Missouri's also got in the very near future um, on the road at Carol at uh, on the road at Kentucky this weekend, home against South Carolina. Uh, the week before playing the Vols, they're at Georgia, which sets up really well for Tennessee. Uh, but anyway, um, you know that that just isn't a gimme anymore, in my opinion, on the road at Missouri. So you'll start the month of November with a win against UConn. You'll be on the road at Missouri, which Tennessee should win, but not going to be easy you come home and play Georgia and we know how big that game is going to be and then <coughs> excuse me you play Vanderbilt to end the season so that November should be a winning month too but obviously the massive game there against Georgia and, and a pretty big time football game to get things started after you've gone at, at Missouri as well so you need to own this month you need to win this month so my question of the day for you is how many wins does Tennessee get in the month of November um, and how are they going to get it? How is it going to get it? Is it going to be a home win against AM, a loss on the road in Tuscaloosa, but a win at Kroger Field? Tennessee's 2 and 1 in October. And if Tennessee's 2 and 1 in October, that means Tennessee is 6 and 1 on the season. That means Tennessee is now 1 and 1, 2 and 1, 2 and 2, 3 and 2 in Southeastern Conference play. If you're watching on YouTube, I was doing hand motions to help with math. 
<laughs> um, so you're sitting pretty going to the month of November. You are three and two SEC record and six and two record overall. I think that match checks out. But anyway, um, it's going to be a challenging month, big time month. And I think uh, South Carolina was a must win game for Tennessee. I flirted with it all week. Towards the end of the week, I said it was a must win game. Um, I think Tennessee needs to win this game uh, at home against A uh, and M. I really, really do. See if Alabama can beat A and M twice. Take advantage of all the theatrics. Checker kneeling. Um, you know, CBS. 3.30 game, SEC Nation's going to be on campus. Take advantage of all that. Win this game and then worry about those road woes afterwards. You'd much rather worry about those road woes. Road woes. You'd much rather worry about those road woes coming off a big win over A&M than losing to A&M, falling below 500 in Southeastern Conference play, falling to 4-2 and two on the season, and having all those worries heading into Tuscaloosa. So uh, that's that's kind of my question for you. Love to know what you think. How many wins in the month of October? Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? Is it zero? It's going to be more than zero. Come on, guys. Let's be real. Three games in the month of October. The 14th against the Aggies at home. And then on the road, the 21st and 28th at Alabama and at Kentucky. How many wins for the University of Tennessee? I will say two right now. Uh, here on Locked On Balls. Guys, appreciate it as always. Thank you for being here. Get those questions, those comments in at underscore Kaner at Locked On Balls. Fill up the comment section on the YouTube channel. Mailbag edition of the show that is tomorrow. Shout out every day yours for making it happen. And uh, we'll talk again tomorrow, guys. This is Locked On Balls.